The following program has been paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church. From the heart of the Pacific, in Honolulu, Hawaii, Apostolic Faith Church presents the Kingdom of God Crusade. Join us now for another hour of worship with Pastor Han, the church choir, and the band. We hope and pray that you'll find this next hour of blessing. I'm here, Pastor Billy Han Jr. And we'd like to thank you for joining us today. We'd like to welcome you to the Kingdom of God Crusade telecast, being brought to you every Sunday morning, not only here in Hawaii from 8 to 9 a.m., but also in parts of California from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV channel 13 in San Diego. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC channel 13 in Palm Springs. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KBTV channel 8 and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV Channel 28 in Eureka. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KVME Channel 20 in Los Angeles, San Bernardino. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY Channel 9 in El Central California, Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR, Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO, Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW, Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, parts of Nevada and Wyoming. And from 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like more information on our church and view our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, be sure to visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. The Apostolic Faith Church, located at 1043 Middle Street, is the headquarters of the gospel of the Kingdom of God for the whole world, with the sign of the roof of the temple, Jesus Coming Soon. A landmark in Kali for 98 years, and our prayer tall, the first of its kind in Hawaii, dedicated exclusively for prayer. The church was founded by the late Charles and Ada B. Lockbaum on August the fall, 1923, and passed on to our late chief pastor, William M. Hans Sr., in 1959, who continued the gospel to its fullness. We hope and pray that this telecast will draw you closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and be a real blessing to you, our television audience, saints wherever you are, and the shut-ins, that is those of you in the hospitals and comforts and homes. And should you need prayer or someone to pray over you, please don't hesitate to call the phone number designated at the conclusion of the telecast. Today, we are celebrating the 68th anniversary of our Maui Branch Church, located in the heart of Lahaina, Maui, at 1211 Front Street. You are all invited to join us in celebrating this joyous occasion. The church choir under the direction of Emilia Han will start off today's telecast with a spirited song entitled, Joy in My Heart 
They will be able to accompanied by Tiari Summers on the piano, Rose Bakukara on the organ. There will always be joy in our hearts when our Lord and Savior is in control of our lives. He is the great burden bearer and our heavenly comforter. He puts the inspiration in our soul to want to serve Him with our whole hearts, mind, and thoughts. To God be the glory for the great things He has done. Please join in and sing with the choir as you see the words on your television screen.
The church band, under the direction of yours truly, will play the song entitled God's Wonderful People. Yes, TV viewers, it is truly a wonderful sight to see the saints of God, God's wonderful people, gathered together in unity. For we find that when two or three of His wonderful people are gathered together in His name, the Spirit of the Lord is there too. Sure, the Lord is knocking at the door to your heart. Won't you hear His call and open your heart to Him so that you too can be a part of His wonderful people? For today is a day of salvation, if you will, but hear His voice. Rose Pahaku Carter will sing the beautiful and ever-familiar song, Jesus Loves Me. Doing her background music will be Iris Locke on the piano, trusty associate pastor, Ms. Boat Sr., Mason Osano Sr. on the guitars, and associate pastor Marvin Abing on the bass. The words to the song are so inspiring and comforting in our daily walk with the Lord. Our Lord and Savior showed His love for the whole world by shedding His blood on the cross of Calvary so that we all may have the promise of eternal life. He conquered death hell and the grave, and now lives and reigns forevermore.
Jesus loves me This I know For the Bible It tells me so choir will perform their final number for today entitled Happy Am I. The book of Psalms reminds us that happy is the people whose God is the Lord. You can find true happiness when the Spirit of the Lord dwells in your heart. For joy is the spirit of love. Happy am I. 
We are blessed to hear from the church orchestra under the direction of Chelsea Associates Bass and Ridgeboat Sr., who played the toe-tapping song on the ukuleles entitled, Everlasting Life is Free. They will be accompanied by yours truly on the piano and members of the church's band's flute and string section. We preach the self-same gospel of the kingdom of God that Jesus preached on the shores of Galilee. The gospel is the good news that Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus baptizes with the Holy Ghost and with fire, and Jesus is coming soon. Everlasting life is free for the taking to those who will come and be baptized in Jesus' name, be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk in the light of God until our Lord and Savior returns in clouds of glory.
The saints in harmony will now blend their voices to the uplifting song titled, Great is Thy Faithfulness. We show our faith to the Lord as we come before His presence with music, with songs, and with prayers. He is the great God who can lift us up from the depths of despair and carry us to the highest mountain to find refuge beneath His sheltering wing. Wherever we go and whatever we do, it is comforting to know our Heavenly Father watches over us. At this time, it is a great pleasure to dedicate this song to faithful brother in Christ of our Maui Branch Church, who is none other than Mr. Charles Alu. May the Lord continue to bless and strengthen you in your daily walk with Him. Have a wonderful Sunday. in your hands 
Praise the Lord and good morning, everyone. I'm Associate Pastor Melvin Honda, and I would like to repeat our television time, stations, and locations in the continental United States for our viewing audience, especially if any of you plan to visit or reside in California. These telecasts can now be viewed every Sunday morning from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSE channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 7 to 8 a.m. on station KBTV Channel 8 and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV Channel 28 in Eureka. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KVME Channel 20 in Los Angeles, San Bernardino. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY Channel 9 in El Centro, California, and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 to 7 a.m. on station KZJO Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, and parts of Nevada and Wyoming. And from 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like to know more about our gospel work and view our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, please visit our website or JesusComingSoon.org. And now concerning the schedule of gospel services here in our home state, Hawaii, Services are held at the temple every Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. On Sunday, gospel services start at 10 a.m. and divine healing services at 7 p.m. Sunday school for all ages begin at 9 a.m. and prayer services are held daily in the prayer tower at 2 p.m. except on Fridays at 10 a.m. The same schedule is observed by neighbor island branch churches as services are also conducted by Pastor Reginald V. Castanero Sr. in Kanakakai, Molokai, by Pastor Walter Aitin Loy in Hilo, Hawaii, by Pastor Leonard K.Y. Asano Sr. in Koloa, Kauai, by Pastor Hannibal Espera in Balolo, Pikawayan, and by Pastor Vesper Espera in President Rojas, Cotabato, Midinao, Philippines. At our Maui Branch Church in Lahaina, Maui, services are held every second Sunday of the month. You are welcome to attend these services regardless of church affiliations. There are no collections. However, if you desire to voluntarily contribute to support these telecasts and the Lord's work, you may do so by sending your donations to the address designated at the conclusion of the telecast. And now, I'd like to return our program back to Head Pastor Billy Hahn Jr., who will bring forth his Spirit-directed and Spirit-inspired sermon. Pastor Billy? Thank you, Melvin. Has someone ever said to you, this world is not my home? Such a statement was never truer. I hope and pray that by the end of my sermon, which is entitled, Help Thou My Unbelief, you will be convinced as to how important your salvation is if you wish to be in that elite group, the members of whom Jesus will hear, will hear Jesus at his beck and call, come up hither, as he guides them on to their true homes in glory. 
A heart and mind that is torn between commitments or divided where one's loyalty should be placed is a major hindrance in anyone's spiritual life. All Christians who are sincerely attempting to work out their salvation with fear and trembling have suffered this experience. Unbelief surfaces when the adverse circumstances are at its highest level and there appears no solution. Under these trying and difficult situations, the devil will attempt to capitalize on the circumstances and take measures to persuade you into further unbelief, being that you have chosen to occupy a place that is situated on the edge of destruction. Under these circumstances, one has become very vulnerable to the wiles of the devil. When doubt, reservations, and growing lust for the flesh become a growing presence in our lives, the light that once shone brightly for Jesus becomes dim. For instance, one will contemplate whether or not to give one's tithes to the Lord because it will deprive one of enjoying the many pleasures in life. One will begin to reason as to whether or not one should pray as much as, or attend worship services as much because it is very time-consuming. And one has many other things to do. One will get frustrated over the rules and regulations that govern the church because it prevents one from convenient living in sin without conviction as the Word of God is preached. One finds it convicting and feels that the pastor is picking on the individual. The word offends because the word that at one time comforted is now saying how one has fallen short in service. We read from 1 John 3, 18 to 21. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemned us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. Jesus said, Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Serving the Lord is made easier when one is able to serve in singleness of thought, resisting the devil by mortifying the lusts and affections of the world. Jesus tells us that one must be able to forsake father, mother, sons, and daughters, lands and possessions for his sake. He also reminds us, television viewers, that one must seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Following the Lord's instructions, we create a perfect frame of mind for true service and create a level of faith that will be acknowledged by the Lord and sufficient to move mountains. Simply put, if you love the Lord, keep his commandments. Let us read James 1, 3-8. Knowing this, that the trying of faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that he may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. They give to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. The epistle of James gives the church firm foundation firm instructions on how one should live and conduct oneself under perilous times. Well, living in an unbelieving world, when he addressed faith, he characterized it very simply, that is, faith without works is dead. In other words, faith is useless without works. The Lord expects us to believe with all our heart, mind, and soul. He expects us to put our all into it, because that is what it takes to move the hand of God, which moves the world. Believers who profess to have faith but are unable to demonstrate it under all circumstances are really not believers. The martyrs listed in the 11th chapter of Hebrews died embracing the promises and never renouncing their faith in the Lord. The prominent martyrs are listed by name, but there are names not known to us. However, we shall know them by their works. Indeed, their works do follow them. Paul tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, 
the evidence of things not seen. He further says that without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. Yes, having faith in the Lord will cause the born-again believer to keep God's commandments and live a life above sin. You might ask, is it possible to reach the highest level of faith which God could acknowledge? Well, the answer is all things are possible to him that believeth, even to the saving of the soul and being liberated from sin and eternal death. Reading Mark 9, 23 to 24, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Everything we do with the Lord and for the Lord requires faith. The greater the degree of difficulty, the higher the quality of faith is required. Under no circumstances should we be presumptuous and neglect prayer. Every adverse circumstance should be viewed as being detrimental to one's spiritual well-being and should be handled with caution and sincerity. The circumstances the father of this child faced laded him with anxiety. He believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, but there was a portion in his heart and mind that did not. Obviously, he believed in Jesus and sought out comfort and healing for his afflicted son. However, the reality of the situation was that if Jesus' disciples could not cast out the evil spirit that tormented his son, how then could Jesus do it? The answer is found in the 19th verse. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. Yes, the answer to all the problems that are in the world is found in Jesus. It is evident how technology can take us further away from the Lord. It is also evident how increased knowledge and understanding can estrange mankind from knowing and giving praise to the true and living God. Though the world prospers, the world is still filled with violence, wars, rumors of wars. Some have said the world is better off, but only in some aspects, and only a few are experiencing the prosperity. If the world is better off, why then is there racism, hatred, confusion in the civilized world? If the politicians say we are better off today than we were yesterday, why then is there no harmony? But constant civil unrest and the gap between the rich and the poor grows wider. This world is surely untoward God, and it is very evident that the desire for sin increases daily. In my personal opinion, the world has found security in false hopes and shallow promises made by the devil himself. People are concerned over preserving the earth's environment and animals, but do not put priority upon the saving of the soul. Jesus tells us that heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God endureth forever. Therefore, can the people of this world be saved from self-destruction? Yes, if they turn to the Lord. Believers every day anticipate the blessed hope of the church, which is the glorious appearing of the Jesus in clouds of glory. When he turns, he will rapture his saints with these wonderful words, Come up hither. Therefore, television viewers, the most important question you should have upon your heart this morning is, what must I do to be saved? The subject of salvation will always remain an individual matter, regardless of what present-day theology says, that faith alone saves the soul. The premise that faith alone is sufficient for salvation could not be further from the truth. If the decision to accept Christ as one's personal Savior and Lord is made from the heart, then one will faithfully do all that is required of him to be saved, which involves works. James 2, 17-20 and 26 tells us, Even so, faith, if it hath not worked, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But will thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so had faith without works is dead also.
prominent theologians dismiss the epistle of James as a book to be acknowledged. They argue that James' view of faith and works conflicted with their view of justification by faith. As we previously, James adamantly stands for the true interpretation of the scripture that faith alone cannot save. James came to the understanding that faith is more than a mental assent to the truths and values found in the word of God. Faith is trust and confidence that God's word is true and that God will do what he has promised. Genuine faith in God will be shown by active obedience to God and his word. Our good works then is evidence of our faith in God. Faith and works are the two sides of the same coin. Good works will follow faith in God and faith in God will result in good works. Thus the concept of having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is that we will do what he tells us to do regarding the things that pertain to godliness and eternal life. So you see, belief in God is not enough. James tells us even the devils believe that there is one God and they tremble. However, they have not been saved. They refuse to repent and refuse to do good works. Let us read John 3, 1 to 2. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a key teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Here we find an educated man coming to Jesus in the darkness of night. The significance of this meeting is that Nicodemus saw Jesus, the promise of God being fulfilled. For centuries, the prophets of old spoke of the Messiah, and there were many self-proclaimed messiahs, but none as profound and bearing a commanding presence as Jesus. Jesus, perceiving what was in the heart of Nicodemus, began to enlighten him regarding the salvation of the soul. Being a scholar, the message of salvation would not be received unless it was accompanied with an explanation based on fact. Isn't it typical of mankind to question the Lord about his own righteousness? Initially, Nicodemus was straightened in his own bowels of what righteousness should be. After all, he was a Pharisee, an educated person, respected by man as being an oracle of God. Thinking what he had achieved in life, accompanied with a knowledge of the scriptures, he had assumed that his works were sufficient to be acceptable in the eyes of God. We continue reading in John 3, 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. We were at one time in the shoes of Nicodemus. We failed to see the spiritual application in spite of having knowledge of the scripture. Therefore, the natural man is incapable of seeing and therefore is unable to enter into the kingdom of God. Thus, the significance of the scripture found in Mark 16, 16. He that believeth then and is baptized shall be saved. Jesus tells us that however gifted, more or refined a person may be, mankind in his natural sinful state cannot gain an entrance to the kingdom of God. The reason being sin cannot be removed unless one is born again through water baptism, which is administered in the name of Jesus. Paul's understanding of the scripture tells us, but the scripture had concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. There are two obstacles that prevent a sinner from coming to Jesus. Overcoming them will bring about salvation. First, one must acknowledge oneself as a sinner. And secondly, one must acknowledge one's lifestyle as being sinful. We read Romans 5, 17 and 19. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one man shall many be made righteous. Jesus liberates the soul from the bondage of sin and the severe consequences of its sinful lifestyle. It is in the heart of God that all men should come to repentance and be saved. We have been saved by grace. Though faith, it is a free gift from God. Read in Acts 2, 36-37. Therefore let all the house of Israel know surely that God had made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. 
Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? In Acts 30, it reads, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and he shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Repentance simply means godly sorrowful sin. Before anyone can be saved, one must acknowledge oneself as being a sinner. Believing in repentance starts a journey to eternal life. Let us read in Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. The aforementioned scripture is the born-again message one needs to hear. Salvation involves water baptism by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ. And this is what Jesus meant when he said that one must be born of water and of the Spirit. Both are necessary to fill all righteousness and gain complete salvation. God reminds us daily, if you love me, keep my commandments. There is nothing superficial or deceptive about the born-again message. It is the same message Jesus preached and taught the disciples. Water baptism is not an option for any clergy or pastor to give you, television viewers, because no one has the authority to change God's plan of salvation. Jesus set a pattern of good works for all to follow. When he approached his cousin John to be baptized of him, Jesus has suffered to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered it. The scriptures do not explain why the person who had no sin found it essential to be baptized. But we know and believe that Jesus was God in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ. And perhaps Peter explained it simply as you read in 1 Peter 4, 1-2. For as much that as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves. Likewise, with the same eye, for he had suffered in the flesh, had ceased from sin. That he no longer should live in the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. Yes, baptism represents the change of the old into the new. Baptism represents the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Thus for us, the old man is washed away, and the new man is given a new life to serve Christ. It is the greatest miracle we could ever experience. That is, our sins have been washed away as far as the east is from the west, and the Lord will remember them no more. Now, if you have not been baptized by immersion in the name of Jesus, you should ask your priest, pastor, or elder, the reason why. All that we preach is from the scripture. You will find that for the day of Pentecost, every convert that came to the apostles as a result of the preaching was baptized in the name of Jesus. Those who were baptized with the baptism of repentance was John upon hearing the word of God and sensing the power that accompanied the preaching were rebaptized in the name of Jesus. Now, when we speak of the Holy Ghost for many, it stimulates controversy. The truth of the matter is that the speaking in tongues remains as the only Bible ends of one having received the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is God-given, and He has given us evidence to confirm the Spirit's presence within a child of God. Reading John 7, 37-38, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture had said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. All of the Scriptures that referred to the Holy Ghost in the four Gospels were fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. It was not coincidence that 120 were filled with the Holy Ghost during the Feast of Pentecost. It was purposed by God. Let us read in Acts 2, 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Theology today has dismissed the necessity of speaking in tongues as a thing of the past. Let me make one thing clear. The presence of the Holy Ghost is as powerful today as it was at the day of Pentecost. The Lord's presence in His church will continue until the day He calls His church home. 
Some have discounted the event of Pentecost and recent documentaries of the life of Jesus continue to deny him as being the Son of God. The world considers the loyalty to Christ by believers as phenomenal and superstitious and fails to understand his purpose. Let us read 1 Peter 4.11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Today I speak and preach as having experienced the wonderful works of God. As is many other true Pentecostal churches spread across the face of the earth, here at the Apostolic Faith Church, we can experience the manifestation of the Spirit through spiritual gifts and through the ordinance and administration and operation of the church. We are praying that the Lord will manifest Himself in greater measure. We have an upper chamber where tearing services are held and the saints are filled and refilled daily. The question is not whether or not you have an upper chamber, but have you and your pastor in whom you have placed your trust in leading you to the kingdom of God, spoken that heavenly tongue only God can give? You may say to yourself that is a hard thing to believe in the speaking in tongues. Well, ask the Lord to help you to overcome your unbelief. Now, I have had new converts come up to me and ask me how they can prepare to learn to speak in the unknown tongue. My answer to them is you can't learn it, neither can you falsify it. All you can do is prepare and tarry for it. Do you know the significance of the ascension? Yes, the disciples witnessed Jesus ascend physically into heaven. I firmly believe in my heart that Jesus ascended into heaven. His arms were outstretched, blessing the disciples. In other words, they did not only see Jesus ascend into heaven, but he as ascended, they heard a wonderful sound proceeding out of his mouth. They did not understand it, but felt the power of his presence as he departed from them. Then as they heeded the Lord's instruction to tarry in Jerusalem, they received the same power and presence they had witnessed 10 days earlier when Jesus said this to heaven. Thus it was confirmed that this body, which is the temple of God, becomes the habitation of God through the Spirit. Paul tells us that there must be the presence of the Spirit before the gifts and fruit of the Spirit can be manifested. We read in Ephesians 3, 16-20, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that he, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, and depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth all knowledge, that he might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Thus, he telecast viewers, I strongly encourage you to consider the salvation of your soul. Jesus came to this world to seek and to save that which was lost. However, he was rejected and continues to be rejected. Paul tells us that today is the day of salvation. If you will, hear his voice. This dispensation of grace is quickly coming to a close. And it's at its conclusion, the bride of Christ will be raptured, thus escaping the wrath to come or the hour of temptation. We read in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. There are many churches today, each having its own doctrines that governs their faith. Though they say they are all the same, they remain significantly different. If they were all the same belief, why are they not together? If they are all the same, why then are they not in harmony and in a unified spirit? All we see is doctrinal debate and a competitive spirit to see who has a larger congregation and whose church is prospering the most. I'm sad to say that not all Pentecostals are truly Pentecostal. If they fail to meet the standard set by the Lord, they have fallen short of His glory. If they fail to preach the premise that the manifestation of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost are manifested in the person of Jesus Christ, though they possess a zeal and for righteousness, they lack the knowledge of the truth. 
If they fail to preach the baptism in the name of Jesus and the Holy Ghost, as evidenced by speaking in tongues, they fall into a category Paul identifies as being a curse because they pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ. If they fail to preach against sin and live in compromise, how can they truthfully say they are saved from sin? Jesus prepares the body of Christ through the word of God, and it is up to us to believe and follow his word. Paul was bold enough to stand. Having experienced the power of God while on the road to Damascus, nothing could deter him from fulfilling his calling. The circumstances God's true church faced today is no different than during the days of the apostles. Therefore, we pray for daily strength to remain committed and determined as our predecessors were in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about God's word, the church, and review the telecast presentation in its entirety, please visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. Until our next telecast, is your host, Head Pastor Blehan Jr., expressing my sincerest appreciation to each of you who have allowed us to come into your homes. May the good Lord bless and keep you all in the hall of his hands. We now call upon the church band to close today's telecast with the upbeat song, The Royal Telephone. <laughs>
The preceding program was paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church.